and welcome to another episode of Detective Writer. I'm your host, Sally, aka Detective Writer, and today I have a very special treat for you guys. I have a brand new guest and fellow author, Edward Moser, amazingly talented, has over 14 books, and I can't wait for you guys to meet him. Edward, thank you so much for coming. I am so, I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you so much. That's great to be with you, Sally. Thank you. And can I ask just... What is your absolute motivation for writing? What has been your determination to write over 14 books? You're what I aspire to be, truly. Well, it was a it was a journey. Uh, it was a long journey, actually. For a number of years, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, although I kind of did because uh, uh, writing runs in my family. I have a, I have poets and uh, amateur poets and uh, novelists, uh, teachers, educators. Uh, even uh, good marketing people, good salespeople who uh, have the gift of gap, all in my, among my sisters and, and cousins and whatnot. And in school in uh, in New York, uh, in SUNY Albany, New York, originally hail from the Bronx. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm from uh, Parkchester in the Bronx. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I know. We talked about Gar- this before. <laughs> Garden in the city. Yeah. Beautiful parks in, in, in the middle of the Bronx. Who, who knew? I know. Right? Uh, uh, but growing growing up there, uh, I, I grew up there, and then I went to school, and I studied uh, history, and I studied writing and journalism in school. And you would have thought, okay, why don't you go on and write history books or maybe historical novels, which is what I do now. But uh, I got out of school, and it, it's not the most practical thing to study history or journalism, it was difficult to get work. So I got into the burgeoning field of computer science and uh, I moved to Boston where a lot of my friends were living. And uh, despite, despite being a Yankees fan, I moved to Boston, the belly of the beast. And uh, But it was very enjoyable after college and uh, I worked for a number of computer companies. Had a very good career as a technical writer, science writer, but it wasn't my passion. Uh, and I found out that with a lot of investigations and research that what I really liked to do was learning a subject and then turning it around and explaining it to different audiences in a fun and uh, informative way and uh, embellishing the stories, uh, maybe making up my own stories as well. So I obviously I have to be a writer, I have to be a professor, uh, teacher, something, something like that. So I went to school again in, the, in Washington, D.C., uh, George Washington University, uh, sort, of, uh, sort of a glorified history degree there. And uh, I started writing thereafter, yeah. writing humor books, writing about history and politics, but with humor, with comedy. And I, I also worked briefly for The Tonight Show. I sent to The Tonight Show uh, some of my uh, humor essays and satires, and to my surprise and shock, uh, they hired me as a freelance joke writer, and uh, that helped lead to uh, work with Random House Publishing in New York, then called Random House. Um, Random House? The Random House before it's, I guess they've been acquired. Gotcha. Uh, but a uh, big publishing company, and I got two comic, no- uh, two comic bo- uh, humor books to write for them, uh, sort of historical comedies, if you will. And... Uh, from there, I, I gravitated kind of logically 
into not just writing about history in the capital city region, Washington DC region where I live now, but uh, giving tours, giving tours of really historic spots like uh, Lafayette Square, that's President's Park, the park yeah. right across from the White House, oh. or the cat, yeah. Uh, in fact, I that was the germ of uh, what really became another career. I, I, uh, I realized with some research that Lafayette Square has been the site across 200 years. And this is where it gets into what you do, Sally. I realized that uh, Lafayette Square has been the site of many uh, horrific crimes, uh, like uh, assassination attempts. Uh, someone tried to kill the president, President Truman, back in 1950. Just a block from the White House there. Uh, uh, someone tried to kill uh, Abraham, President Lincoln's Secretary of State in Lafayette Square. I heard about uh, that, actually, but I, I don't think... I, it was just so fuzzy. I remember hearing about that in history, and I kept thinking, that's crazy. Poor Abraham Lincoln had to get shot and killed, and even his staff was... Oh, my gosh. That was just... Wow. Yes, uh, a, a man broke into the, the mansion house in Lafayette Square of his Secretary of State, uh, William Seward, as in Seward's Folly. Purchase of Alaska, and uh, this, this terrible man uh, nearly killed him. He, he stabbed him multiple times before escaping. It was all part of the, the plot to kill Lincoln and his top aides. In fact, it would make a great thriller, a great uh, uh, novel. Uh, the the attempted assassination of William Seward. There's been many nonfiction books about it, but there's a, a lot of incidents like that that have occurred within a stone's throw of the president's house, uh, and. Uh, I, I did research, I gathered my research together, and I started giving a walking tour of, of the park. And I said, boy, there's so much material. You could, you could write a book. I used to joke in my tours, you could write a book about Lafayette Square. And I went, I approached the publishers who specialize in historical works, and I got a book contract. And that became a book called The White House's Unruly Neighborhood. Crime, scandal, and intrigue in the history of Lafayette Square. And that's at the ball. Uh, from that point, I uh, I've been for the last few years focusing on histor- uh, the most historic. My dream is to write a series of four books about the most historic locales in the capital city region. Uh, number one, the White House. And that led to number two, a book about the, the Capitol building and Congress and its grounds and the wild events that have occurred there across 200 years. And then uh, I want to do one on Georgetown, which is the center of espionage and spies uh, in American history, because that's where Georgetown is where all the foreign embassies are. And a lot of the uh, residents in the embassies are really spies who are trying to gather informa- military and commercial information for their respective countries that'll be the next book but the the, the third book i wanted to try something di- a little bit different instead of a non-fiction history book how about a fictional history book uh, set in a very historic town near dc uh, alexandria virginia uh, why not why not write a th- why not take all the uh, wild events that have occurred in alexandria virginia and turn it into a novel turn it into a thriller a crime thriller and uh because and there, there was so much material, so much material to draw from. Because Alexandria, uh, it's it's, a, it's about eight miles down the Potomac River from uh, Washington, Washington itself, and it's the hometown of many famous people. Uh, George Washington uh, actually had a house 
in Alexandria. It was his home away from Mount Vernon. Really? It's just, yes. Mount Vernon is just a few miles from Alexandria, and George and Martha would often spend their, their days and nights in Alexandria, not at Mount Vernon. Uh, and uh, they had, they actually, there's actually a house there which still stands. Uh, it's also the hometown of, of Robert E. Lee, famous Confederate general, and the town was a cockpit of the American Civil War. It was a southern town close to the federal capital of Abraham Lincoln. So there was great tension and even battles inside the town itself. Uh, it then became related. It became a very much a, a part of the civil rights movement. It, it, it actually was the first town to have a sit-down strike against segregation uh, back in the 1930s. And probably more people know about a, a famous movie, Remember the Titan, a Denzel Washington movie about the integration of the football team at a Alexandria High School. Um, and uh, so there was all this material. And then uh, this was, uh, I was gathering it at the time of the pandemic and uh, 2020 and there were, there were riots and uh, demonstrations. And I said, what if, what, this is great material for a contemporary crime thriller, but drawing upon events of the past set in a very historic town. And that's where my, my current book, uh, came from it's called the uh, the old town horror old town is the historic district in alexandria and uh, it, it, uh, it's called the old town horror the uh, murder and theft in america's most historic and uh so now i'm writing uh, i'm writing fiction historical fiction or history-based fiction yeah. as as well as history books I'm a bit long-winded but that's where that's where i came from and that's where i am now The fact that you were just so inspired by so many aspects of history and you made a book. I just find that just so incredibly inspirational because I think for me, I've only written one book, but for me, I got inspired through a dream and I just thought like there's so many stories to be written and the fact is that I don't know, I don't know how to better explain it sometimes, but I feel like, you know, sometimes if I'm reading something I can just picture everything that's going on in my head. It's just like a moving, it's a moving picture. And I just feel like there's so many, there's so much potential brought on in a book that I just think the fact that you've written so many books and you've continued to write more, my gosh, please some, please feel free to share your tips. <laughs> that's just <sounds laughs> incredible. No, but the, it helps to, uh, of course, every writer looks for inspiration. Uh, I think one, one good way to get inspiration is to travel. Uh, you have someone, a great writer like uh, Joseph Conrad. Uh, the, uh, when he he became he was a, he was a, from Poland originally, an incredible uh, linguist. He was a, he grew up in Poland. Polish, of course, was his native language. Winds up in England and becomes one of the greatest English prose writers. Uh, astonishing feat of linguistics. But he he got his experiences for his novels and and, and stories like Heart of Darkness and Lord Jim. He got his, a lot of his experience by traveling around the world as a uh, on his ships as a uh, I think he was a ship captain, but also just a humble seaman at the beginning. And uh, so travel and experience, different experiences is good. I think one mistake that writers make is to write about writing uh, to make it too personal, too uh, uh, vain or egotistical, yeah. if you will. I, I think a lot of modern writing is about is in the inner world about the writer himself or herself which is fine uh, 
some book, good books have come from that, but I think you can get more inspiration from the outside world, from working in different careers, uh, seeing more of the world, getting more experiences. And then as, as you, as you say, uh, the possibilities are endless. They're just in, infinite, yeah, infinite number of story of stories of that you can uh, write about. That is definitely so true. And it's great that you actually point out that traveling actually helps a lot. My parents, according to them, like we've traveled to France, Spain, so many countries. I just had no memory of them because I was literally less than five years old. But I do remember sure. growing older and I've been to I've been to a lot of places in the Caribbean. I've seen so many diversity like so much culture and i feel like there's so much to be writing about but i will be guilty i will tell you i'm guilty of this usually i find myself that i will usually like just find it so interesting how how many words i can write if i'm just looking at the ocean or just looking at the sun or just looking at the moon and i don't know i think there's just something so peaceful about it how many words you can just journal down and uh, my family I remember you mentioned once before that you come from a family of writers. I'm the only writer in my family, so my family will usually tell me to get off my book and just enjoy a vacation. They say, we're not here to write, we're here to enjoy a vacation. <laughs> so it's like, I I just, I will try to like soak up any sort of writing time before my book is immediately taken away from me. Yeah, we're, we're the opposite. I have, uh, I have uh, relatives who, if they went on Jeopardy, category was literature they, they'd run the table they'd really? get everything uh, they they'd pile up pile up the money with those categories because they have the encyclopedic knowledge of uh, of writing and books oh but my uh, that's God. yeah that's incredible my dad loves what he loves to watch jeopardy he loved it way before when alex trebek was there god rest his soul and my father i will i kid you not he will look at world history or literature and he will spanish is my first language for my dad and he will still just say something in spanish like that's correct eso es correcto no that's not correct and it's like <laughs> you will know every single thing and i'm thinking are you sure you're not a secret writer at heart because you know almost all these answers hmm. i just i that's amazing yes when uh, the story i often tell is uh when uh when I was a when I was a kid, and we'd be uh, sitting around the living room in the Bronx, uh, all of us reading books or reading newspapers. A friend, a friend of the family, would come to the door, and, uh, and instead of talking to the person, we'd just be in silence reading. We wouldn't we wouldn't even acknowledge the uh, the person or the guest in the house. Oh until my the god! Guest, <laughs> it, it, was, it was very awkward for the guest until they they realized, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do here. I don't like ask for a beer. I don't sit down and watch a ball game on TV. I ask for a book or a newspaper and I sit down and I start reading. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> was it, it wasn't the most sociable or friend, well, it was friendly in a way because, you know, there's nothing more stimulating than a good book. Uh, so, but the person had to, had to adjust to the family culture and yeah. get down and start reading. <laughs> it's my family is the exact opposite i would actually i would have fitted so well in your family because i never left the library 
I, growing up, I think I was just, I call myself the self-proclaimed bookworm. My relatives would say I would read the dictionary for fun because I was just like, I'm learning new words. I want to expand my vocabulary. And they would tell me, please get off the book and talk to people. Please leave the book alone and go and socialize. And I'm just thinking, and I would tell myself, why? I'm reading something. So my mom would just yell at me till she was blue in the face, tell me, please get off the book now. So I probably would have fit in very well in your family. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like it's hurt you because you're uh, well-spoken and you're a good communicator. So, oh, thank uh, you, you, I try. You, you, maybe you've grown out of that, grown out of that, hopefully. I, I'd like to think so. And speaking like with my Spanish-speaking relatives, they would just tell me so many different things and I would just say, okay, I hear you, but can I get back to my book now? So I think I've learned like throughout the years just how like which relatives I can read a book around and which relatives I can't because I'm still saying, okay, well, thankfully we're in the time period of now that I can just read a book from my phone and if I'm on the subway, I will still read a book from my phone and I'm like, I'd like to read. What is the problem? Thankfully now they don't mind, but I'd like to think I'm more sociable that, you know, you can just mm. tell who you can read a book around and who you can't, but it's still at the end of the day, it's your book. You want to read it. Go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I have to say, I've, I've really rediscovered reading lately in a way, uh, the, the joy of, uh, of fiction, of fictional books. I love those. Uh, like a lot of people who, uh, who, who do history or politics i i read so much uh non-fiction so much uh, journalism uh you know, magazine uh magazines blogs whatever on the news and for a number of years i was only reading non-fiction books like biographies history books a lot of uh, i think a lot of men fall into that trap they read only like biographies of famous people that sort of thing uh and then but then in the last couple of years as i've gotten interested in writing a crime thriller I started writing, I started reading again, uh, reading of classic fiction books, especially uh, crime fiction, like I read uh, last last year in prep, in helping to prep for this book, The Old Town Horror, I read all of uh, Raymond Chandler's novels. He's the uh, Los Angeles-based author, uh, circa 1940s, who invented, uh, invented what became film noir, you know, the, the, the dark, uh, suspenseful, movies like the Maltese Falcon and Double Indemnity, like classic uh, uh, crime thrillers, uh, very Hitch- Hitchcock-like, uh, even before Hitchcock hit his stride. And, uh, and then just reading all six of his novels, and they're all terrific, and they're set in Los, Los Angeles in another world. It takes you to a whole another world, not the Los Angeles of today, but when it was a much smaller, more manageable city in a way in the 1940s. I love that. I've I've actually seen well, I've seen a few movies like the 1940s in Los Angeles. It looks incredibly different from what it is today. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, absolutely. And that's the that's the uh, one of the great thrills of writing of reading a great book. It transports you to another world, another exactly. place. And I find the same is true in uh, in writing about the the capital city region and drawing upon its history because uh, how. Uh, Alexander, Virginia was in 1776, the American Revolution, where it was a, it was a cockpit of the revolution. I mean, it's so different from today, from the 21st century. And that is, and today is so different from uh, the town in, during the Civil War, when it was riven between North and South. Uh, it's a completely different world, different attitudes, 
uh, different kinds of people. So, uh, you know, the history, all history itself, can transport you to another world, like a good book. And if you can combine the two, uh, history-based books, I, I think you're really uh, a lucky, a lucky author. It could be something as like Harry Potter or anything like multi-falcon. I, oh my gosh, it, I don't know what it is. It's just like I picture it in my head and I feel like I'm being transported to another world. This is what my relatives automatically will say. I'm the bookworm in the family and I say I'd happily take that title to my grave. But it's just, I can't imagine just like. What, if, what possibly the authors could have been thinking about as they were writing the story. I feel like sometimes when you're writing a story, you're not just writing a book, but you're creating a whole nother world. You're making characters, you're making a culture, you're making governments, you're making, in cases of Harry Potter, you're making another language, you're making a whole new universe. And the fact is that I just find it incredibly fascinating. Yes, it's something someone like uh, Tolkien uh like someone like Tolkien can create that whole different universe. Uh, that's uh, I think that's that's a skill that I uh, it's beyond me. I I couldn't do that. I have to draw more upon things that have actually happened, and then uh, do variations on that. Uh, someone like the, the, the Harry Potter author, uh, and J.K. and and or, or uh, Tolkien, uh, or his one uh, of his friends C.S. Lewis, when they create these whole different worlds and sometimes a whole different mythology. That's, that is truly a great feat of writing. Although it has to be said that uh, Tolkien and Lewis, and uh, they really drew upon uh, the ancient myths of the British Isles uh, in constructing their worlds, and kind of did variations on that though. With <laughs> tremendous, yeah. imagi- tremendous imagination. Definitely, and just to even piggyback on what you're saying, I just think. I feel like even for, I personally don't read it, but a lot of people that I know read anime and they will show me how the comics are very descriptive, they're very imaginative, so it's like there's so many images that go through your mind and it just, it's just mm-hmm. fascinating to me just to see how you can go from one scene to another, how you could see this person doing this and then the next second they're doing something else. That was something that I was really trying to aspire in my book. I really wanted to take the character to another modern day world, but just to transport them to think that, oh, this isn't a typical town in North Carolina. This is not a typical private detective, but this is someone who's much more different. And I can immediately just pinpoint exactly what they were thinking, how they were feeling. It's mm-hmm. it's like you're sort of like evolving into their world and you're just like being an audience member. Yeah, in my, in my book clubs, I've been surprised at how many uh, people who are serious about literature, they uh, they read anime. anime. And uh, I I guess that's not so strange because I, I grew up reading uh, comic books, cartoon books, which were mm. somewhat similar. And then, of course, the classic illustrated, uh, the classic illustrated uh, sort of cartoon books of uh, famous novels, which are good entranceways uh, for a young person to, to to get into literature. So I'm all for I'm all for more reading, the more the better. Me too. More, genre, more genres, the better. If I can yeah. ever join a book club of yours, please let me know. <laughs> I'll happily do that. All right, the book, the, the book club and the, the history tour, I'll, I'll invite you, absolutely. Yes, because growing up, I think 
I think I've, it's always been my interest to read more fiction books. I don't know what it is. I've always felt like history, you can't really change it, but I feel like with historical fiction or non-fiction books, I think you're, there's a, like a little aspect that you can like put in more creativity to put a bit a little fascination, but that's actually something that I've struggled with writing non-fiction or historical books because I'm thinking it's it's fact. It's happened in the past, so you can't really change it, but I've always just felt something a little bit more like that I could be a little bit more creative with imagination and fiction, but I definitely love to like divulge into the nonfiction world and history world and just to see like how you can really change it up. Like Titanic, for instance, we know that the boat that the boat sank, but we didn't. Jack and Rose weren't there. It was they were they were created as a part of fiction. So I like these little like little tips yeah. and tricks there are. Well, that, you know, that James Cameron is really incredible in terms of popularity with his movies, the, the Terminator and the Titanic, and uh, you know, the more recent movies about the futuristic planet where uh, people transform themselves into different creatures. And uh, it's uh, he's really something of a genius on, on the cell, on the, of movies that he can take uh, take action adventures like that, very uh, imaginative and, and uh, make a billion dollars out of it, get millions and millions of people to watch his whole series of movies. And in, ter- in terms of history and uh, uh, fiction, I recently read uh, uh, one of the sort of a, a classic expression of that, uh, which is the H.G. Wells book, uh, The Time Machine. Yeah. And, and I've, seen the, I've seen the various movies uh, about The Time Machine. It's interesting to to go back to some of these classic novels sometimes uh, which and find out they're actually very different from the movies that people are much more familiar with and uh, because the time machine is is really it's really like a a long poem it's a beautiful piece of writing with a man who who, he doesn't go into the past he goes into the far future much further than in the movies like to the to the end of the earth where the the sun is dimming the sun is so old that it's it's getting cold and things are dying out on on earth and the way his descriptions of that uh many many thousands of years in the future is is truly visionary and and poetic it's like one long almost without punctuation one long beautiful poem a vision of the future not a not a particularly bright one at all but beautiful and very different from the movies but but as as a as someone who's trying to get better at thriller writing, I'm going back to uh, classic thrillers like uh, The Time Machine or his book The World of the Worlds, which again has had many movies made about it, but the, the book is very different, so it's a whole different world to actually read the book as opposed to uh, the film. That is definitely that is definitely true, and since you're trying to get better at thriller writing, I can definitely help you with that, and you can definitely, if you're cool with it, you can definitely show me how to really incorporate historical writing, because I definitely want to, I really want to divulge into a little bit more of aspects of writing, but I just feel like there's so many, there's so many different aspects and genres of writing that you it's, that's what I love about it, that it's not just limited to one specific thing, that you can write about just anything and you can just have fun with it. Yes, if you have uh, recommendations for uh, contemporary thrillers, please uh, send them to me. I love uh, Stephen King, so I don't know if he's considered contemporary, but I love Stephen King. I loved it. I love Cujo. Uh, 
I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. My cousin has a German Shepherd. He will. He he's very friendly, but I think he's too friendly that he doesn't know his own strength. So my nickname for him is Cujo. Sorry, cousin. <laughs> I call him Cujo. That's why I call him. I, I'd say with all love and respect. I've heard good things about his book about the Kennedy assassination, where yeah. the character goes back to in time to try to prevent to prevent the killing, and finds it very difficult. That the the hand of history is very heavy, and it's very diff, very hard to push against it and to change things that happened in the past. Interesting premise for a, a famous event, and a good way to approach uh, historical fiction, I think. But I have to say, my favorite of his is not a novel, but it's a screenplay. And um, oh, uh, we're gonna have a blank on the, the name of the, the famous movie about the uh, inmate who escapes from the prison. And, uh, help me out here with uh, uh, Morgan Freeman playing I, I, the friend. The, the Shake. Yes, Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Yes, that one. I, that. Uh, that's the favorite movie of many people, and for good reason. It's just astonishing, wonderfully uh, great story, wonderfully uplifting. Exactly. You know, great villains, great heroes, and then uh, I was shocked to find out. Oh, screenplay by Stephen King. I mean, I, I think that uh, that might be that's among the very best movies, and certainly among the best screenplays. So that would be my favorite. That would be my favorite of that famous horror and uh, thriller writer. That's definitely great. I love James Patterson. I feel like anything that's just thriller and gives you like the dun 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 version, I will just, I will go crazy over it. <laughs> One of his novels is set in Lafayette Square in President's Park, and uh, I'm, I'm actually right now. As I'm trying to think of how to how to tackle Georgetown, the, the fourth in my series of historic locales, uh, I think I'm trying to figure out whether to write a novel or to write a a, a nonfiction book about the history of Georgetown. Especially, uh, I'm not sure yet. Maybe both. But the uh, I think the topics will be espionage. Really? Uh, because because that, there's so much spy lore and legend in Georgetown. Uh, in fact, there's one. There's a female character that there's been nonfiction books about, which I, which would make a terrific thrill, uh, a terrific thriller novel. Uh, but I don't know if I'm suited for it for for a fe- uh, to base it entirely on a female character. The woman, the woman's name is Amy Thorpe. Uh, her maiden name, yeah. her married name was uh, Amy uh, Pack, uh, and she was uh, a femme fatale who worked out of Jordan. Yes, she was the Matahari of World War II. Uh, she had—it's a wonderful term. She had a so-called swallow's nest. Really? A swallow's nest was the nickname for her townhouse in Georgetown, where she uh, beguiled and seduced uh, foreign embassy officials working for Nazi Germany or its allied countries in World War II. She would seduce them, uh, charm them. And then get key information from them. I mean, the most important information, like the uh, the Enigma machine, the German Nazi coding machine, to encode yeah. all the military intelligence. She got her hands on a, helped get her hands on a Enigma machine, which the Allies decoded and used to read Nazi Germany's secret 
supposedly secret uh, messages to its generals. Uh, she got a hold of the Navy codes, secret Navy codes for Mussolini's Italy and for uh, France when it was allied with Germany. Yeah. Uh, she, she was like the most important spy of the war, but few people have heard of her. Uh, Betty Pack, a.k.a. Amy Thorpe, and she lived and worked in Georgetown at the same time as some very other, fam other famous writers who were working at the time for British secret intelligence in alliance with America. A guy, for example, Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond and the James Bond books and movie franchises. Ian Fleming was a British secret agent spy in Georgetown uh, and DC at that same time. No, no doubt he knew uh, Amy Thorpe. Um, another writer named C.S. Forrester, very famous uh, uh, author of the Horatio Hornblower books about British Navy history. He lived at, in Georgetown, worked in, in D.C. as a uh, British spy, secret agent at the time. Also, incredibly, the author, Roel, uh, I always mispronounce his name, it's Scandinavian, but became famous as a Brit, uh, Roel Dald, the author of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the, the children's books. He was a British spy <laughs> working in Georgia. His house in Georgetown was a just a few blocks away from Amy Thorpe's house. So you had the inventor of James Bond, the inventor of these famous children's stories, a famous British uh, naval history, and the, uh, maybe the most effective spy, a female spy of the Second World War. They were all living or working in proximity to each other. And I say, oh, this has to be a, a playground for a, for a novel. So right now I'm trying to figure out how to, how to do it. Uh, there was actually a movie in the can, a movie made about Amy uh, Amy Thorpe, a.k.a. Betty Pack, about 10 years ago with uh, Jennifer Connelly, I believe, was the star, was to, was to play her in the movie. For some reason, it wasn't released. Really? Uh, yeah, she would. I think she would have been perfect for this femme fatale, this seductress. Um, but for some reason, maybe they didn't think the movie would, would make money. It wasn't released. So it's uh, it certainly has gotten the attention of people, and there's been several very good uh, non-fiction books written about her which have sold pretty well but i think a fictional version either in the movies or a, a book perhaps a book turning into a movie eventually would would do well and is the topic it would be hard to find a more interesting topic and if you could tie her to these famous authors who were living near her at the time who were also spies yeah come up with a plot so that's what i'm working on right now uh, trying to come up with a, a plot to tie all those threads together well you definitely have plenty of time and that is amazing and i know that you just have so many ideas like i said please please show me how to incorporate more historical fiction or even just non-fiction writing in general because my gosh i feel like i'm learning from an expert right now i'm just i'm trying to soak up all this information and i swear i'm not trying to kiss up to you no, the, I actually got some good news, or maybe good news, in the last couple of weeks because I, uh, I to the two publishers of my books on the White House and the Capitol building, I, I, uh, I told them about my, my uh, fictional book on Alexandria, and they were happy to hear that, although it's not their thing because they're, they're nonfiction history book uh, publishers, 
not the crime thriller publishers. Yeah. They said, oh, that's, that's, that's great. And when I told them that I'm, I'm now thinking of a book about Georgetown, they said, oh, if it's a nonfiction book, please send it to us. We'll definitely consider it for another book. So I'm thinking maybe I'll, I'll do both. Maybe I'll do an, uh, a, uh, a nonfiction book about Georgetown's rich history focused on espionage and to get that published because it's great to have a publisher as opposed to just publishing it yourself. And then maybe uh, as I'm doing the research for that book, uh, the idea for a, uh, a crime thriller, an espionage thriller will spin out of that. So that's, that's where I stand right now. But uh, yeah, it's a, that's, that's how the writer is trying to come up with his next uh, book or, or books. That's very interesting to hear. Do you? Um, can I? It'll add? be fun. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but it'll be it'll be fun either way. A fiction or nonfiction or both would be a lot of fun because Georgetown is is just a great playground for espionage, uh, fictional or not. And so Definitely. just doing the research, looking into all these different stories and, and characters and real life characters uh, is going to be a lot of fun. But, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible and. Can I also ask, do you feel like, I wanted to ask you really quickly, like, do you ever feel like if you ever were to write like a femme fatale, what do you feel like would be the most important aspects like to incorporate or whether like um, a male fatale or I don't even know if that's the correct word. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's well. It's it's, um, uh, it's difficult for me right now in terms of the uh, the Georgetown uh, seductress because uh, I I don't know if I could capture her. Not being a woman, I don't know if I could capture her character. And she is a very mysterious character. Uh, no one has really been able to pin her down. She left a memoir behind her, which gives some clues to her uh, personality and motives. Uh, it seems like her main motivation. And some people criticize her for being a, for being immoral because she was essentially sleep. She was kind of like a female James Bond, where she would sleep sleep with anyone if she could get information from from them. But even that wasn't that simple because she was really driven by patriotism uh, and a sense of uh, duty and of uh, morality because she was desperate to defeat the Nazi Germany, and she was the daughter of a. Uh, decorated U.S. Marine officer. So it was sort of like patriotism ran in her veins, although her approach to patriotism was very unusual, uh, to say the least. Uh, so complex character. It would be fun, it'd be fun to try to get a handle on it and explain it. And, I, and in my current book, The Old Town, the Old Town Horror, I do have two heroes, a hero and a heroine. And it was a lot of... Uh, the, the, it was a lot of fun. The hero is sort of a uh, Da Vinci Code type of uh, protagonist. He's a he's a historian, an expert on the uh, legend and lore of Old Town Alexandria, and he's able to see co- connections between the, the crimes of the past there and what's going on uh, in contemporary times with a series of robberies and murders and help the police out with that. Uh, but he's paired with a heroine, uh, a lady uh, who's a... Uh, a computer ex- IT executive who's sort of bored with her work and has a hidden sense of excitement. And she's the uh, the girlfriend of the, uh, the the hero. And she gets drawn into the mysteries too and, and finds despite herself that the, the thrill of the chase is really her passion in life. 
and she has great observational skills and analytical skills. So she's like a perfect uh, companion for the the male hero in in figuring out the uh, who the uh, the villains are in the in the spate of, of violent crimes. So actually, it was it was fun doing the the female the female character. Uh, so maybe I can maybe there's hope in in the Georgetown uh, heroine, this master uh, spy uh, femme fatale in, in in capturing her character as well. That's actually, you actually just brought up something that really made me think in my book. I wanted to think of my character, Sasha, the private detective, as a female Patel. But I think, like, her co-worker, Ray, was actually, she was, I considered her the anti-hero. So I think he really backed her up. And I think Mm -hmm. it took a lot of time for them to realize that they weren't truly evil. It's just life had so many twists and turns and I feel like that really helps build your character up so if I can say one suggestion I would definitely think that I could definitely say like if you bring a lot of your characters experiences in history I think it can really help shape them into being like really good fatales like just showing like oh this is the background that they've had this is the life that they've had and this is why they became a certain way but they can choose to move on from that or choose to be different. So it's like, wow. Yeah, that might be a key to explaining the Amy Thorpe character because she was that way from a very early age when she was a teenager. And she was, a, 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 there were photographs of her. She was stunning. And by all accounts, she had a charismatic personality. She was able to put a spell on people. Uh, and from from the time of a teenager, uh, there would men come to come up, come to visit her, and she would get involved with them. Uh, in fact, she became pregnant as a teenager with a British Foreign Service officer, and uh, they became married. And it was a it was a loveless marriage. The the man in question was a a boring, dull chap, where she was charismatic and after one thrill after another and. and drop dead beautiful uh, so it was a loveless marriage but it turned out very good for her professionally because it was a perfect cover for her to be the wife of a british diplomat who was sent all around the world from south america to europe and to the north america during the time of war it's a perfect cover for her to go to diplomatic receptions and to ply her wiles on the enemy uh, so uh, but her character was set early on at least since the time she was a teenager so yeah, you might be onto something there. Definitely, I think like a lot of experiences, even not even just in books, but in reality, they help shape us who we are. And I'd like to think. Then let me know if I'm speaking for you, but I think like the Bronx really, the Bronx in particular really helps shape a lot of people. And you and I are both writers, and we both have these stories to tell. And New York is a melting pot full of people. And the fact that we have just so many stories to share and we're still continuing to share them, I just find yes. it fascinating. No, no doubt. The city that never sleeps, it has endless stories. Yes. And of course, it's uh, it's the uh, many, many famous writers have come there for, for that reason, for because there's so much to write about and because it, it has the literary tradition and the edu- all the, the, the schools and the literary traditions there. So it's a good place for it. Oh my gosh, that's... That, that is so true. That is absolutely so true. 
I oh my gosh and the fact that I know that you have a book I think it was just released The Old Town Horror Murder and Theft in America I plan to purchase this book ASAP and if I can let you know my thoughts I promise I really want to read it <laughs> please do yes look, look forward to it and if you ever want to read my book The Doctor it's also on Amazon I would ha- I would be happy to know your thoughts as well if you have any tips and tricks to really improve my writing considering this is only my first I definitely appreciate that as well I'll, I'll definitely take a look and let you know yes anybody has any suggestions for any tips or tricks please let us know and if you guys want to purchase any of Edward's books I will put the link in the description if that's completely okay with you that's definitely okay with me yes yes and if you have any social media I can definitely include like Instagram Facebook if you're completely comfortable with that yes that that's fine uh, one that's a good way of course for a writer to uh, publicize and promote uh, his works uh, I have a one good thing I found is uh, is the meetup these meetup groups really? that's I do the uh, my book clubs are through meetup uh, it's a company and what it does is it allows you to set up uh, your passion a hobby and anything uh, such as book clubs I belong to several book clubs through meetup and I offer most of my tours through two meetup groups uh, one of them is called the uh, Washington discovery hikes and the other one is more descriptive uh, it's basically it came came from uh, the name of my White House book it's called uh, the Lafayette Square tours of scandal assassination and intrigue uh, but I give tours throughout the Washington area, not just in Lafayette Square, but in Old Town and Georgetown and whatnot. And I've, uh, I have like uh, 4,000 4, members in those two meetups. And so they've been very good tools to promote just not my, just not my tours, but my books as well. Could you ever give me a tour, please? I've been to Washington, but you could ever give me a tour if that's all right. <laughs> well, I'm giving tours uh, regularly, like every every week or two weeks. So. Yes, and I do give, uh, I can give personal tours or small group tours as well, so no problem. I'd love to meet you in person and just to get to know another fellow author. It's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the meetups, uh, I've been giving tours every one or two weeks, and they're they're very good for inspiration, too. Like I said, my ideas for the White House and the uh, Capitol building books came from the tours I gave of both. Uh, Same for... Alexandria and then soon hopefully for Georgetown as well so uh, yeah that's incredible oh my gosh this makes me so excited I'm actually so excited to hear what other books you're gonna have published soon I if I would definitely be able to I would love to be able to publish my book I even interned at Penguin Random House in college so mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many connections and there's so many people to me and to know their stories and how writing has really impacted them and this is just a great fresh start no no uh, to be clear I, I, didn't, I don't know if i understood you so your book is self-published or through a publisher i had to do self-publishing um, uh-huh. i tried to initially get my book out there but unfortunately um i think it was because i had i hadn't written a book before i wasn't having the best luck so but a friend of mine she managed to self-publish her book through a through a site called new degree press it's a book publishing group um i can actually send you the link for it if you like um new degree press is a self-publishing book company you pay for everything um the publishers the editors um but basically 
all the royalties go to you everything goes to you but um it did it was a little pricey but it was my first book i don't know if i'll do self-publishing again i may do that again but i do want to try again like to see like if i can do maybe more query letters maybe get my book out there my next book to penguin random house again or simon and schuster we shall see it's just i didn't have a lot of luck and i figured what i wanted and i know that this is just the beginning even if i did self-publishing or if i continue to do self-publishing and spend a few bucks i will still happily do it because it's my book it's my work and i want to do it i'm often asked uh what's better uh, to be self-published or with a publishing company uh, and it, it depends but the generally speaking it's better to have a uh, established publisher uh, for reasons of promotion and marketing because they you know they have their big publicity departments that can back your book push I your book agree. otherwise you're on your own and uh, sometimes it'll take off and uh, but uh, you might have to spend a lot of money yeah. on promotion uh, which uh, an author may not have and so it's better to have a publisher but uh I, i've done both and if i can't find a publisher uh but i really have a i really want i have a passion for the book and i want to get it out in front of the public i'll, I'll self-publish it and it really doesn't it, it's really in a way it's a dream world for uh, authors prospective authors nowadays with the internet and self-publishing yeah. uh, it's good and bad it's bad in that the, the internet is really hurt traditional publishers and traditional bookstores of course like Barnes and Noble uh that's the bad news the good news you know, the internet is a double edged sword the good is. news is that anyone can get published and publish themselves and not not for much money at all like it, you don't have to spend anything on promotion marketing it might only cost you a couple hundred bucks if that to get a book out to actually publish a book so, definitely but yeah i've only but, uh, yeah and i don't mean to cut you off but I feel like for me like because I've only I only have the experience of self-publishing I don't technically have the experience of going through with a with a with a full-time publisher but I felt supported in a lot of my aspects throughout my book publishing process I did have to do a fundraiser on Indiegogo for people to continue funding my book I managed to raise almost 4000 which was over a goal of 5000. The only thing was that um I had to pay the rest of it because I didn't I didn't reach my goal. But if I wanted to do an ebook or my relatives even asked me because we all speak Spanish, they asked me why didn't I um translate my book to Spanish so that a lot of my relatives could read it. that was going to be even more money so i would have loved to have more options to be able to make it not just an ebook or a paperback but an audio or a spanish version so i will yeah. say that that was a little bit of a downfall because it would have cost more money on my part but i don't know we shall see you know if anyone does want to go for self publishing i'm more than i'm more than happy to recommend them to penguin random house or new to repress because i know even i've heard that penguin random house even does a little bit of self publishing but i'm not too sure about it but i feel like whatever works for you whatever is accessible for you as long as you publish your book i mean it's worth it i i would have loved to have done something different but i am more than i'm grateful for my journey because i still have a book out there you know No, absolutely. I think you made the right right decision there. And you touched upon uh, another opportunity for the uh, new or experienced writer, which is uh, audible books, which are exploding in popularity, of course. And uh, and I uh for the Old Town Horror book, I uh, what I did was I didn't want to spend a lot of money 
on getting a, a good a good narrator, professional actor. I definitely wanted someone good. So my book is published through uh, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing, the mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah. And uh, they have a, a feature where if you, you if you find a narrator, you can make a deal with him where it's 50-50. They, they share 50% of the royalties for the audiobook version, and they don't they aren't paid anything up front. Now you can pay them up front. There's they have an option for that too. But in this case, because I I want I didn't want to make that expenditure, I convinced the this very professional actor with a lot of experience to go 50-50 with me, and he's working on a, uh, an audio version of the book, which should be out should be out in uh, in six weeks or, or less. So that was a good option for me. Okay, every option that works for you, you manage to get your book on the shelf, and not just one book, but over 14 and continuously going. I applaud you for that, really. Yeah, the uh, the Capital Building book also, the publisher, uh, in that case, the publisher found a, uh, a narrator for it and put out an audio version of the book, um, along with the, the, hard, the, the hard copy, uh, in the in the uh, ebook and the, the paperback and hard hardcover version, so it's got uh, four or five different versions, uh, sh- uh, flavors of of the book, including an audible book, which has actually been selling the best of the different formats, which is nice. And I also have a uh, it, it's a good uh, it's a good complement to a podcast of my own. I, I did a podcast of my White House book, um, and and that's on, I put it I put it through Buzzsprout. They do the, it's there, it's on their website and they do the marketing for it and it's done pretty well too and it helps me sell the uh, the paper versions of the book. So many options for the, uh, the writers of today out there. Definitely. If any of you guys ever want to go for self-publishing or the traditional route, please feel free to go to Edward. <laughs> I, I swear, he has like, you have a lot of information. I feel like I'm now just learning so much. Yep, there you go, yep. It's a it's a good world for uh, it's a difficult world. It's a you know, it's, you know comedians say the same thing. They say back in the day uh, there were just a handful of outlets uh, like the the Las Vegas casinos, uh, a couple of comedy places in New York City, or some of the top shows on television. Yeah. There were very few outlets where a comedian could break through. Nowadays, <coughs> nowadays you have all the comedy clubs, but also you have the internet. And it's like with uh, it's like with bands with uh, musical bands, same thing. Uh, there, are, it's it's exploded. You have an infinite number of ways to, to publish your own material. Uh, although the the key becomes then marketing, you know, reaching that bigger audience. Uh, if you don't have the backing of a, a famous show uh, or a big publishing house or a big record company, so it's a different world. But it has a lot of possibilities along with the downsides. Feel like either way, anything that you do, whether it's good or bad, it will always have a consequence. But you know, life is all about taking chances. Life is all about taking risks. And if we all did the same thing all the time, the world wouldn't be. We're all unique, and we all take our own different paths. But I think that's just the beauty of life, you know. And I think that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I always try to be as optimistic as I can. You know, I personally believe that it's life is just so short we never know what's gonna happen but i always just try to look at the brighter side of things because i owe that to myself and also to the ones i love 
that's nicely put and uh yes uh, well a writer has to keep punching uh yeah. it's not a difficult uh, it's not the most easy career it's not uh, but it's worth it and i'm glad though to be able to have had you as a guest today i please welcome you to come back anytime and if you guys want edward to come back please let us know in the comments and unless you have anything more to say uh please feel free to let us know all right, Sally, it's been a pleasure, and hopefully we can uh, speak again. Thank you so much. And if you guys love this episode, feel free to like, share, subscribe. I hope you all have a good morning, afternoon, night, evening, or dusk. Please stay tuned for next week, and until then, keep on studying.